Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. The delicious dialogue starts right here and right now and I welcome you to my kitchen. Recipes and tips for marvelous meals are shared here on this show. And this hour, you'll gain ideas for how to eat well and live well, because this show is for people who love to eat. And each week, I'll tell you about my favorite wines and cutting-edge recipes, and you'll hear from distinguished authors and artisans and chefs who will share their knowledge. We also dish on cocktails and restaurants and gadgets for your kitchen, And I hope that you'll visit chefjamie.com to become a more confident cook. Plus, please become a friend and a fan on social where you'll find my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. So let me tell you what is on your plate this morning. I am elated to be able to share the story and the journey of this particular gentleman. Over the last 15 years, he has led the rejuvenation of Oklahoma City's dining scene, and he is the 2022 James Beard Award finalist for Outstanding Chef. He is an entrepreneur, a restaurateur, and a chef born in Jamaica, where he cooked on a handmade clay oven over an open fire, and then made his way to the U.S. to become a great success story. But it's what he's giving back that has made a difference. The restaurants in town are littered with staff that he has taught and continues to support because he has elevated the dining scene in Oklahoma City so much so that there is no other fine dining restaurant in OKC that has the clout of his. His name is Chef Andrew Black, and he is extraordinary. And I cannot wait to sit down and dish with him. Also, before the end of the hour, we're cooking and healing and going vegan. And I'll tell you, uh, this gal, she's got great ideas. She is a private chef and a cookbook author. Her name is Bailey Ruskis. She goes by Chef Bay. And if you follow on social, because she is ever popular, she's all about giving uh, plants and greens and otherwise their day for holistic healing from the inside out. And she loves jackfruit and cashews and avocado. And she's going to teach you how to make walnut parm. And oh, her dishes are so good. So please stay tuned. Don't touch your dial because there is so much delicious conversation coming up. And we start with this. I like to kick off with a tutorial to make you the best cook you know, to bring you insight and inspiration. And I have a pop quiz. (laughs) Are you ready? All right. What do you think Bloody Marys, chili, tacos, paella, french fries, sweet potatoes, roast chicken, and frittatas all have in common? Well, you're right. It's smoked paprika. Can we talk pimentone for a minute, please? I happen to love smoked paprika, and it has slowly made its way from Spanish cuisine to the U.S. more prominently, but it's been a slow, steady build, and every once in a while, you'll see a recipe with smoked paprika to heighten the flavor, 
I tend to use it in a lot of my dishes, but I was recently inspired this past week because I was working on a creamed corn recipe. I've actually been uh, sort of corn crazy lately with summer coming and writing some corn recipes, all of which have smoked paprika in them because there is something beautiful about that smoky, wonderful richness and the color that it imparts as well. Now, smoked paprika, or as it's called in Spain, pimenton, ranges in flavor from mild to sweet to hot, and it's used with everything there, from sauces to meats, and it's this beautiful bright red spice, right? But it adds a smoky aroma and flavor to everything it touches. It's made from peppers that are dried and then ground into a powder, uh, but this process and the type of peppers used can actually vary hugely. So it's um, a Spanish cousin to the more widely used sweet Hungarian paprika. It is a specialty of Spain, pimenton, where according to tradition, they dry the red chili peppers slowly over a smoldering oak fire for up to about two weeks, and then they grind them into that brilliant red powder. And the smoking is what sets this paprika apart, right? Um, I use smoked paprika in everything from meats and seafoods and sauces to dips and vegetables. In Spanish cuisine, it's a primary seasoning for chorizo, and then the spicy, smoky sauce that goes on the bar snack, patatas bravas, and who doesn't love that? Uh, It is said that 16th century Spanish explorers brought paprika from the Americas. Both Hungary and Spain eventually adopted it, with enthusiasm, of course. And today, Spain has two paprika-producing regions. Um, They have both earned DOP status, which means that they adhere to the processing standards distinctive to that region. And you will find smoked paprika here in the U.S., in most Spanish markets, of course, and online for sure, but there are three distinct styles. There are sweet, bittersweet, and hot. And the sweet style is most commonly called for in recipes, and it's what I like because you get the the smoke and the flavor uh, without masking it. If you happen to be a chili head, go for the hot, of course, um, because the sweet is quite mild. Uh, but because the draw is the smoky quality a little bit adds that incredibly seductive, smoky flavor and aroma. And I love it with eggs. I love it in a dry rub. I love it on roasted potatoes or any potato that you put in the air fryer. And if you need a new sandwich spread that amps up the flavor of mayonnaise, this is my best two-ingredient wonder for spring into summer. You could make your own mayo or use the store-bought, which I do too. And then you add the pimenton or the smoked paprika. And I like to add in a little bit of olive oil. I find actually that the smoked paprika dissolves in the olive oil and then permeates the mayonnaise. You'll want to whisk it until combined. You get that gorgeous color, that fabulous flavor, and you will thank me because it is just so good. And when smoked paprika becomes your new condiment crush, if it isn't already, I'd love to know what you're making because it is definitely my go-to flavor enhancer to make dishes come alive. So that is my lesson on smoked paprika. Uh, Let me know what you use it for and we'll dish. You can always email me, jamie, J-A-M-I-E at chefjamie.com. 
And now it's time for food news this week. This is some news you can use. All right. Uh, they, they are not an advertiser. This is not paid content or anything else. I just like to bring you the new cutting edge food and finds from across the country. And this one happens to be one that everyone can get their hands on. Now, I walked past the sign, you know, in the shopping center near where I live with my son. And I took a double take because it just sounded so good. Starbucks launched its summer menu for 2022. And there is a brand new iced coffee. And they say it is stealing the show. Now, I had a temperamental toddler who is joyful as well, by the way. So I didn't go in and have it, uh, but I can't wait because enter the new chocolate cream cold brew from Starbucks. Doesn't that just sound delicious? Okay. It's Starbucks traditional cold brew sweetened with vanilla syrup topped with cold foam that has been flavored with chocolate malt powder. I'm in. Oh yeah. I am a massive fan of malt powder. I was raised on malt powder. My mother loves anything malt. In fact, she puts it in her waffles, her signature famous waffles that are just so good. And I can imagine this chocolatey, malty, delicious, iced, cold brew. And so I can't wait to taste it. And if you've tasted it already, weigh in because I'd love to know what you thought. The all new chocolate cream cold brew from Starbucks Grab a friend right after this show, run on out, and get refreshed. That sounds good right about now. All right, coming up, he is uh, truly a rising star chef in the culinary world. He's a published author, uh, nominated for the 2022 James Beard Foundation Award for Outstanding Chef. He is a restaurateur, much beloved in Oklahoma City of all places. He is elevating the community in decency and integrity. He is teaching lessons and he is here to share them with the world. Chef Andrew Black in your radio right after this. Please don't go away. Chef Jamie Gwen, be right back. culinary intelligence right here and right now. This is where informative, entertaining, and delicious culinary information abounds. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Now this is a story. I love to highlight up and coming, well, I have to say already established, but soon to be famous is probably more proper here, extraordinary talent. And this gentleman is finally getting his nod. You see, Chef Andrew Black is the only semifinalist from Oklahoma that is up for the prestigious Outstanding Chef Award 2022 James Beard. That's right. 
Oklahoma City probably isn't the first city you think of for fine dining, but this gentleman has elevated the city's food scene to a whole new level, and he has an extraordinary story. He was born in in Jamaica to Indo-Jamaican parents, and he cooked on a handmade clay oven over an open fire, mostly. Uh, He adopted Oklahoma City 15 years ago as his home, and... Talk about bringing it. This is a gentleman who is soon to be the next greatest chef in this country. And I am delighted and over the moon, I will tell you, that Chef Andrew Black is here. Nominated for the 2022 James Beard Foundation Award for Outstanding Chef. He is here to tell his story. What a pleasure, Chef. Welcome. It's absolutely a pleasure. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you. (laughs) Well, they're very deserved. I know they call you a rising star chef and all of those terms, but I I think you are really finally getting the acknowledgement that you deserve. And, And not just for your incredible culinary talent and oysters in the snow, which you have to tell us all about, but because of the integrity and the dignity and the lessons that you have brought to Oklahoma City and to the people of Oklahoma City, what really stands out with what I've heard about you, and by the way, you're all a buzz, is that the community has been elevated because of your restaurants. Your staff is uh, learning kindness and hospitality in a whole new way. You know, I'll tell you this, and you are absolutely correct. You know what is difficult in all of that, though? Hmm. I still haven't really stepped aside to myself hmm. and, and let it sink in. Of course. You know, it's, it, it's when you come from almost negative zero, you put your head down and you keep going, and these things happen. But we're still so humble where... We know the beginning is not we, we haven't even scratched the surfaces yet. But we're grateful. We're grateful. We're honored. A lot of things is happening good for us. And so we just keep pushing. Yeah, but who, who has time to stop, stand still, and pat oneself on the back, right? I mean, you are, you are, <laughs> know, right? e- you are ever moving. I mean, you have um, two flagship restaurants. The first, Gray Sweater, of course, which changed the dining scene in Oklahoma City. There is no other fine dining restaurant. Um, It's quite extraordinary to me, and I would love for you um, to share it. Uh, You actually interview your guests before their visit. Yes, absolutely. It's a menu-less menu, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. So let me me walk you on the journey of Gray Sweater, right? Before I did this concept, I opened a restaurant I opened a hotel, a restaurant in a hotel, yes. and the hotel is called the Servant Hotel. Yes. And I remember having a little chef table, six people. Hmm. But I remember everyone saying to me, no one wants to hear a loud chef just going at it. So cut it out. It's not going to work. But I always knew I wanted to do it on a grand scale. And so I've also worked for a lot of corporate places, and they tell you, hey, Go, all, go out there and do the best. But when you get there, you always know that there's another level you can take it to. But for me, I needed to find a space 
where creativity has no boundaries and barriers. Mm. And then gray sweater comes alive. Mm. So for us, the meaning of gray sweater, gray has no allegiance. Therefore, we have no allegiance to the food or the cocktail in the room. No matter what you fall in love with, we're always going to move on. And the sweater represents the warmth of the service. Because of the end of the day, the food has to be good, the cocktail has to be good, but it's how we made you feel. That is very important to us. How did we make you feel? So we source our ingredients from around the world seven days a week. In fact, I think currently right now we're sourcing out of about 10 different countries. Um, we offer a three-tier menu, five, seven, and 10. They're all built in separate emotions because each one has to tell their story, and they're all different menus. And how often, how often do those coursed menus change, Chef? So currently, right now, because the world is kind of opening up back again, yes. we're trying to change them every two months. Oh, wow. Just changing them, changing them. Wow. And people said, my God, you're crazy. Crazy. But you know what? There's so much food in the world to cook. Uh-huh. It, it just gets me excited every time I think about it. I know, but so, this is this is a level of excellence that we yeah. don't see very often. I mean, very seldom executed because of the challenges of it, because of the dedication, the time, the effort put in. And that's what makes you stand out. I wonder if that work ethic comes from your roots. Your family's still in Jamaica, Yes. Uh, so my brother is in Jamaica, but my dad is upstate New York, and my mom hmm. now lives in Florida. But I'll tell you this. Um, I grew up in Jamaica in an East Indian family. And, you know, I, as a young kid, I remember waking up, making the roti, making the chocolate tea with my grandmother, hmm. cooking on clay, doing all of that. But the funny thing is, I used to look back and say, man, I was so poor. And that's why I say these days my story is not a pity story. It's just a journey that I was on and still on in a way because everything around us was fresh. But we didn't know the word organic. We didn't know we were forging. But Hmm. I grew up, had it all there. (laughs) And I look at things now. You know, when I see a restaurant, their juice and the sugar cane, and everyone is getting excited. I'm like, well, I grew up that way. When I see a restaurant and we're sautéing the, the pig brain, I'm like, well, that's the part we used to eat. Hmm. So I grew up around a lot of food, a lot of culture, yes. a lot of foraging, and really organic and cooking techniques was given to me hmm. at a young age. What a blessing, right? When you realize that it comes full circle, when you realize, like you said, it was organic, but who touted that? No, no one exactly. said that at all. Andrew, you really are an extraordinary inspiration. We need to take a quick break. Please stay with us when we come back more with Rising Star and James Beard nominated Outstanding Chef 2022, Chef Andrew Black, you and me, Chef Jamie Gwen. Don't go away.
we're back and we're dishing because we do have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. He is Chef Andrew Black of Oklahoma City fame. I love that you use the word foraging in the state of Oklahoma. In fact, um, I should acknowledge that you are the author of the best-selling cookbook entitled Foraging in Oklahoma, Tales and Recipes yes. from the Open Road. Uh, do you do you really forage? Do you consider it foraging? What are you using indigenous to Oklahoma right now in reference to so, those ingredients right. around the world? Right. So we have evolved. And so when I wrote that book, right, I'll tell you a little story of that book came along. I came to Oklahoma City and I've been here working. And I used to host a show on a television called Cooking with the Stars. Yes. And what that did, it allowed me to go in every little town in Oklahoma and meet farmers and their lifestyle and what they were growing and the struggle and everything. And so it led me to do a lot of farmers market here. Hmm. And that was like over 10 years ago. But now there are a lot of farm-to-table restaurants here. So for us, we currently use the sorghum from Rewoka, ah. but that's probably the only thing we use because the gray sweater niche is that when you're in gray sweater, you're eating something from Shadashima, Japan. Wow. And you couldn't afford to be in Japan tonight, but here's this product from Japan that you're eating. Mm. And it tells a story where it's from, the cultivation of it and everything. And the fish could come in and it's from New Zealand. So what we're doing now mm. is sourcing from all over the world. Yeah, it's a you trip know, around the world. Menu, huh. Absolutely, from our water menu that we feature from about nine different countries wow. to the spices and everything that we, so- we source. Mm. Mm. I-, I think it is so extraordinary to think of where you came from and of and where you're going i i think that's the the success story here and your knowledge your passion your dedication is really considered in the culinary world the the elite the extre- the extreme in the in the nicest most complimentary source of the of the word Um, I would love to get to know you better, as would my listeners, I know. So if you don't mind, let me ask you a few questions so that we can better know Chef Andrew Black. So if you open your refrigerator at home, can you tell us about your favorite condiments on the door, please? Ketchup, by far. No way, (laughs) Chef. I I promise you, I promise you. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You and my two-year-old. A lot of big chef, right? Yes. Will give you the finest ingredient. I'm not that guy. No, you're... I remember, I came from Jamaica, and I grew up probably a little less fortune, but I love what I love. And, you know, when I'm not busy around thinking about creativity and fancy food, yes, I just sometimes love a good plate of clean white rice with some ketchup on it. <laughs> and a lot of foreigners... That's, that listening to this is going to like, I can relate to that. Um, how about um, in your spice cabinet? What is your go-to? Curry. Curry. You make yes. the blend yourself? Do you have um, <laughs> some suggestions, I ideas? Blend, I, I don't really make the blend myself because there's a good Indian curry out there that just takes me home hmm. when I'm home and I said, oh, I feel like eating something curry. And the funniest thing, like these 
spices and all that stuff, I haven't used them in our restaurant as yet. We, we haven't, you know. These are just stuff that's in my spice at home and my fridge at home. Yes, of course. These are these are the the personal things yeah, to connect yeah, to yeah. to Chef Andrew Black. And what is the best thing at the farmers market right now in in Oklahoma? I'd say lemongrass. Ooh, and tell us what we, do you do with it? Yeah, we so we there's a dish. It's a turnip, but it's sous vide for over three hours. A, a turnip, and we the cook, vegetable. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, and huh. we cook this in. A lot of different ingredients, but lemongrass is the pronounced flavor in it. But the good thing about this dish, right, when we eat the first dish on a 10 course, and when we serve it, we just drop it in front of you, and we said one turnip, and we walk away. And if it's the first time, you're going to say, well, these guys are rude. But halfway in the dish, when you're using your fingers to eat this turnip, is when we come back and tell you about that dish. Hmm. And it never fails. Everyone always said, I did not know I was in love with turnips. Hmm. Always. Yeah. I, I love... It's a very unique dish that it is. Yeah, yes, no doubt. And, and the lemongrass paired with the turnip, a unique combination, which yes, I, I hope absolutely. to have the privilege one day to dine at, uh, at Gray Sweater and, and experience. Um, I'm personally inviting you well, to Oklahoma thank, City. Thank you kindly. So there you go. Thank you kindly. Um, <laughs> as long as we're on the topic of dishes, um, oysters in the snow is yes. the the one dish I think from Gray Sweater that most people are, uh, continue to to buzz about. Uh, share it with us if you would, please. Right. So here's where this concept comes from. Right. Most people. And I don't want to say, I found this out. I wanted to create a dish that everyone hears the name already, but probably never tried it because of texture Hmm. and for many other reasons. So my thought process was, how do we take an oyster and take it on an elevated level that make you say, I can do this. Hmm. So we, we make these really green pea juice. And we take the oyster, and it sits in this green pea juice. But then there's a little pickle shallot that goes with it, mm. right? Mm. And then there's a little pearl that pops in your mouth once you swallow the oyster. Mm. But to take it home is a strawberry dressing, vinaigrette, that we pour nitrogen over, mm. and we crush it into a snow. And a little of that is sprinkled all over it. So when you're eating this oysters... You're getting that sweet. You're getting a little tart from the pickleness. Mm. You're getting the oyster juice and that subtle green pea juice. And it's the perfect mm. combination. Mm. You have such talent, Chef. You have such talent. <laughs> uh, what, what, what city is your go-to for culinary travel? Where do you find inspiration? This is, that's a good one. That's mm. a good one. You know, I remember, I remember watching the top 50 best chef a couple years ago. And I remember Daniel Hume from 11 Madison Park was on it. Oh, one of the and best meals I've ever flipped. had, but I haven't been to Gray Sweater. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know I'm anticipating your arrival. I can't wait. But, but Daniel said, he's, in his speech he said, we didn't get number one this year. 
And we went back home, mm-hmm. and we look at every restaurant, we read every book, and we buy every plate that other people was buying, and we did all of that, and we got number one. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story, what I'm trying to say is that for us, we spent a lot of time tra- with our eyes and everything, looking into Europe, looking into France, looking into you know, Spain, all over. Peru has really just have my curiosity curiosity going right now hmm. because I think there's food in Peru that is not even discovered yet. Yes, it I is mean. such a it's such a canvas in Peru. I agree. So so we're looking in countries like those, but at the end of the day, where do I get my inspiration from? It comes from so many places. Hmm. It depends on the mood I'm in. It depends the story I want to tell, the experience I want to take you through. Hmm. It really comes down to that. Um, it's no allegiance, and no it, boundaries, no barriers. That is gray sweater. And that is so beautifully expressed on the plate. Chef Andrew Black is nominated for the 2022 James Beard Foundation Award for Outstanding Chef. And I do not know a more deserving candidate on the list. He is in action as well, uh, doing live streams on the Kitsch app, talking about line-caught fish, sustainable fisheries, sharing his inspiration, his ideas, his menus, and his creativity. And so you'll want to follow him on Instagram. Please, uh, of course, there are a couple of places you'll want to go. Uh, the first is uh, Gray Sweater OKC, Oklahoma City. And then, of course, please become a fan and a friend. Uh, Chef Andrew Black is his personal handle, Chef Andrew Black, and follow his success. Uh, I will see you in Oklahoma City. I cannot wait, Chef, and we will continue to follow your journey and uh, continue to support in every way we can. Thank you so much, and thanks Thank for you. having me on the show. It, it, was, it was my privilege. Thank you, Chef, so much. We have the greatest culinary thinkers, the greatest culinary minds, and those who are changing the world on this show, and it makes me so proud. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Grab a snack. Come on back. You wouldn't dare touch your dial now, would you? There's lots more fabulous food right after this. Welcome back. Dishing of delicious dishes. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. So I get a lot of emails from food lovers looking to venture to the vegan side. They worry of missing cheese and meat, but they want to feel better and live better. Is that you? I try to bring you the foremost experts on subjects, and I will tell you this chef has had quite an impact. You should see the reviews on Cook, Heal, Go Vegan, her just-released cookbook on Amazon. If you want to test the waters or take the leap to a plant-based diet, this is the guide that will give you the tools you need to do so confidently and successfully. 
Bailey Ruskis is a private chef. She spent years helping those who want to transition from the standard American diet to a nutrient-dense plant-based diet celebrate good health and a good life. She uses her French culinary school training to recreate the traditional comfort foods that we all crave using life-giving plants for holistic healing. And wait till you hear about her mac and cheese goodness. She goes by Chef Bay, and I am delighted that you are here. Congratulations. The book is beautiful, uh, and you are quite a phenomenon in the vegan world, so kudos to you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Good. Um, Okay. Let's talk about this gateway, please, as you call it, to the delicious plant kingdom. Because you, like many, have a story. This has been a very healing journey for you. And I love, and I'll tell you what I was really taken by in reading your introduction, Bay, is that you're not so strict as to try to form the world as vegan, but rather to embrace whatever it is of the vegan culture that that we can adopt. You really have to meet people where they're at. And if someone came up to me 10 years ago when I was working in San Francisco and tried to push veganism on me, I would have just looked at them and been like, you're totally crazy. Right. So <laughs> I, I think it's really important to, instead of blame and shame people, just inform and explain Mm -hmm. and, you know, give everyone the opportunity to learn at their own pace. And I do that through um, showing that you can eat what you want and what you need. You don't have to sacrifice, you know, your pleasure and your love for like whining and dining just because you want to eat more plant-based foods. No, and I love too that you're about nourishing your body and your soul the people mm-hmm. around the world, the animals and the planet. You have a, a very well done podcast um, that I enjoy listening to. Yes. And you speak about it from a political place. There is something political about food, period. And I agree with yes. you there. And there is certainly political conversation surrounding veganism. But at the mm-hmm. heart of it, it's about what you put in your body. You and I got to talk offline. I am far from a vegan or a vegetarian, but I will tell you two, three nights a week, my son and I eat vegan or vegetarian, probably more so vegetarian, and I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I feel different, and, and I understand that. And you've proven that in a lifestyle change that is um, beautifully shared on the pages of this cookbook. I love to cook, obviously. Um, And I think it's so important to be able to, like, heal your body, mind, and soul and to be a conscious consumer and educate ourselves about where our food really comes from. Because Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, we've missed the mark on that. Our children are missing the mark on that in school. Mm -hmm. And it's a really big process of just, like, learning and unlearning and really, like, understanding, like, where everything that you buy at the grocery store, what energy it holds and where it comes from. And have you healed your chronic health issues? Yes. Like I would say I heal my, I've healed my symptoms. Um, something that I have is, you know, they say uncurable. Um, but when you can really dive deep to like why you're not feeling the way good or why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and you can really like, you know, 
be your own health advocate. You mm-hmm. can heal. You know, there's so many things you can heal. So I don't notice anything that I was dealing with before. Wow. Um, and it's pretty amazing considering I was told I could never heal. Yeah, it's quite fantastic. And by the way, I don't, and I'll step out and say this, I don't think from following you, for instance, on Instagram, that you seem particularly deprived. I just watched you make an avocado (laughs) mezcal cocktail, and I thought, I'd toast you with that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's about just like using food in different ways that you wouldn't think. Like, a lot of time, like I love avocado is such a great example because when we think of fat, we think of like butter and meat products and olive oil, but something like an avocado is such an amazing use of using fat in a dish. The cocktail is like one of my favorite ways. It also helps you metabolize the alcohol better so you don't get us hungover, which is always, uh, you know, it's a bonus. Appreciated. Uh, we'll leave it at that and we'll send everyone to Amazon and find bookstores everywhere because if you are looking for a collection of colorful, delicious recipes that will introduce you to the plant kingdom or elevate your vegan knowledge, this is your gateway This is a vibrant vegan makeover, in my opinion, that ensures tasty alternatives for all of your cravings. Let Chef Bay lead the way. You can cook consciously. You can feel better than ever. Um, This is a beautiful book. It's entitled Cook, Heal, Go Vegan. It is the first release from Bailey Ruskis. She goes by Chef Bay, B-A-I. You'll find her dishing on social really good stuff at Chef underscore Bay, B-A-I all about the healing power of food. Uh, congratulations to you. This is a, a beautiful testament to your discovery and your dedication, and I'm delighted to share your passion. Thank you so much. It was yes. a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, and talking to you, Bay. I hope to talk to you soon. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you thought so. I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of culinary inspiration for this week. Call it gluttony. Uh, Call it my aspiring to be the best mom ever. Call it fun. Why don't you? Uh, This last bite is dedicated to my son because this past week we made edible chocolate Play-Doh. That's right. If you have kids or grandkids or friends that are young at heart, I have to tell you, uh, why not make Play-Doh from scratch That's edible. This recipe is as tasty as it is simple. And of course, you could play with non-edible Play-Doh, but where's the fun in that? So you're going to combine two cups of store-bought vanilla frosting with cocoa powder, a half a cup, and powdered sugar, about a cup or so. You'll keep adding powdered sugar if it's too sticky. And you will get the most beautiful glob of edible chocolate play-doh fun to play fun to eat it's just so great and i am posting the recipe on facebook twitter and instagram where i hope you are a friend and a fan at chef jamie gwen and there will be daily inspiration all throughout the week until i see you again next weekend here in your radio i thank you for listening i'm chef jamie gwen signing off and i hope you continue to eat well (laughs) 